This podcast is sponsored by Hibu, an award-winning e-commerce fulfillment provider, helping online businesses grow by taking care of all their order fulfillment needs, picking, packing, and posting products to customers all over the world. Fuel your growth and fulfill your ambitions with Hibu. Three Peeps in a Podcast, the bonus show. Today is Friday and it's actually football shirt day, uh, a day where fans are uniting against bowel cancer in the support of the excellent and life-saving work that the Bobby Moore Fund does. So go over and check out on Twitter at Bobby Moore Fund. So hopefully people all over the country today are wearing their football shirts and uh, it's also in conjunction with the release in the club shop of the Bristol City home shirt as well. So what better way to start this podcast than to bring on someone who has a passion for Bristol City shirts. Uh, he's Bristol underscore city underscore shirts on Instagram and at Bristol C shirts on Twitter. And it's Marcus. Marcus, how are you? Hi, good. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, it's, I've been following your your Instagram account for some time, and I must yep. admit, very, very jealous, A, at the collection that you've got, and B, how pristine all of your shirts are, <laughs> and how lovely and flat and ironed they are, and it's just a great page to look at and go through the years, and you always think, oh, who do I who do I think about when I see that shirt, and, and so on yeah. and so forth, but... Before we talk about the shirts, um, your background, how long have you been following Bristol City? So uh, my, the first season I can remember, my dad took me down, was the 92-93 season. My first okay. game was actually City against Rovers. I, I think a lot of people remember that game in that season. I think Rovers went down that season and we won 2-1 at Ashton Gate. I think it was Tinian's first goal for us, or might have been his first game. Yeah. Um, and that was my uh, my dad bought me a shirt that that game. That was the um, Thorn Security, Nybor. Sure. Awesome. Um, so that yeah, that sort of sparked it, sparked the interest. Obviously, I've, was you know obsessed with the club since then, and uh, and yeah, I've always had a passion for shirts as well, and that probably starts it all off. Yeah. So I mean, you've got some shirts predating that, obviously, in your collection. Uh, yeah. So so is it literally a case of you started watching in 1992-93, started collecting the shirts from then on? At what point did you then? go backwards it, it was it was lockdown to be honest i think it, in lockdown i've always had a, a shirt every sort of every season me and my brothers i've got two brothers and, and my dad we've always sort of been watching city had season tickets getting a shirt every season generally we'd always sort of compare our shirts and oh you've got this one you've got this one but it was really during lockdown that i kind of went into the football shirt rabbit hole with city <laughs> and I, I sort of got lost in there and it became more than just a passion it, was, it became an obsession to be honest and my wife will tell you that um she confirmed that so i i think during lockdown as a lot of people did they had a lot of time on their hands um and i just started looking at old clips of city of the years of city play, city matches mm. um you know and then you the nostalgia builds you remember players and i, I started looking at the shirts and i think I, the passion the, the real passion started then i think during lockdown the first lockdown mm. um i started looking on ebay seeing what was available to buy um and then i thought well Initially, I just wanted a few that I sort of felt like I needed in my collection. And then all of a sudden, just I thought, you know, I just want every single shirt. So I've just, it's just gone from there, to be honest. And I've just, it's, it's still going all day, every day. I'm, I'm, I'm 
you know, weekends and, and when I got some spare days, I'm, I'm searching for more shirts, pestering people. Oh, I've wow. got loads of, loads of sites that I, I look on. It's, yeah, it is an obsession. But it, I think it was generally that first lockdown kind of sparked the obsession. And then, um, yeah, the, and, and the collection started to build from there. So I think uh, there's going to be a few quick fire questions for you now in terms of yeah. the usual stuff. When I get a player on it, so favorite goal, favorite moment for you. Um, how many shirts have you got now in your collection? I think I've got about 140. <laughs> oh, di- different different city shirts. I was surprised there's that many, to be honest. I, I have done like an itinerary. This is how sad I am. But I, I've done like an itinerary of That's every... not sad. <laughs> I, I've, I've got an image of every shirt I think we've worn since 76. Okay. Um, that includes goalkeeper shirts and even some shirts that I don't think are even were available to fans well that's that was one of my other questions because i i was looking through your your images and there are a couple of kits there that i'm pretty sure were never even released if, what just let's go to another question then your rarest shirt um the rarest has got to be do you see the, the blue goalkeeper's shirt from yep the early 80s with high rights on it i don't think there's i mean that was never released to fans that season with with the high right on um, I think it was like eight because we we went into financial difficulty and had to reuse our shirts from the from the late seventies, early eighties. That's yeah. the one, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't. I think there's only probably about four of those in existence. Wow. I, that one's actually a match worn shirt by. Um, uh, no, it was it was, it was uh, like a Norwegian guy who had. I think we only had him for one season. Um, ja, Jan Moller is. Jan ah, Moller. right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's a match worn shirt by shirt by him. So. We generally wore the, the the green version of that during that period, mm-hmm. um, but that one was the away version. And, and generally, I think it was John Shaw that was in gold during that period. Yeah. So I think only Jan Moller wore that. John Shaw maybe on a couple of occasions I've seen some footage of, but I think there's probably only about three or four of those in existence. And that actually came from somebody. That was um, from a Graham Bud auctions. I don't know if you know of Graham Bud auctions, sporting memorabilia. So he, uh, that came from from him. I was going to say, um, yeah, where did that where did that come from? And, and I got quite lucky with. Yeah, I love this one. It's definitely the rarest I've got, and I think it's the um, the one that um, I, I got quite lucky on it because it was listed weirdly as a Swindon Town shirt rather than a Bristol City shirt. Oh wow! So so when I was looking through his the um, the lots on all his on his auction, I guess Bristol City fans wouldn't have found it because it was listed as a as a, a Swindon shirt. And the Swindon fans wouldn't have would have seen it and gone, well, that's not a Swindon shirt. So perhaps they wouldn't have fit. So I got quite lucky with that one, to be honest. And then right yeah. place, right time. And the other yeah. one I'm looking at, which for me is looks quite rare, is the 96, 97 third shirt. Looks like it's signed by Sean Gota. The yeah. uh the green and white one. I think yeah. you must have only worn that twice, I think. That's it. Yep. So that was worn um against Brentford's. I, we definitely wore it in the playoffs that season because we got to the playoffs and lost to them on aggregate 40, I believe. And that yeah. was um, worn by... I don't know if that was a match-worn shirt. It was definitely a match-issued shirt to Sean Gota. Mm. Um, I think we wore the... he In the game, I think he wore the, the short-sleeve version, but that's the long-sleeve version that he would have worn yeah. had he needed it at the time. So to have it in long sleeves is quite rare as well. So I'm quite pleased with that one. That's another yes. rare one. Like, there can't be many m- many of those about either. So uh, so here's a question for you. As a collector, do you yeah. need to have a long sleeve version and a short sleeve <laughs> version if it's available? I, I'm not too bothered, to be honest. I'm, I'm happy with any version. I think the long sleeve versions... Um, I like them. I really like them. 
yeah, I think they're probably a little bit rarer, but I'm not with the. I mean, there's do them very often now. You you can often get a long sleeve version, and even the players don't get them because they wear the base layers if they want the long sleeve yeah. effect. But uh, yeah, I used to be really. I was used to try and dig out the long sleeve versions. Yeah. So you've got the rare ones there. You must have a yeah. favorite as well. I think my favorites. I I quite like um my actual favorites. The ones that sort of bring back the most memories. I was probably about. 13, 14 at the time were the, the shirts, the 97, 98, they're quite, it's, it's quite a basic one. It's not, a, it's not an uncommon one. Okay. Um, the one with the Sanderson, the, the sponsor was, there was a circle at the time and it was lot made by Lotto, had yep. like the Roman writing on or BCFC on, on the sleeve. I just, yeah, those ones, that, that third shirt as well is a, yeah, that's, that's definitely I, I, a, so that, my top five. That one says to me, Gary Hours, don't know about you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's part of the reason I love collecting the shirts as well. I think it, they transport, they teleport you back to a period of time. Mm. It's almost like a little segment of history, and so you see a shirt and you automatically think of a player, you think of a, yeah. a season, you think of a, a team or matches potentially. So I think that's that's part of the the reason I love doing it so much. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've been up to the high performance center yet, but in the reception area there, they have got uh, plastic versions of all the kits. And I say yeah. all, all, I'm not sure if all are there, but certainly the vast majority, um, just literally all over the wall. So if you haven't been, definitely need to get yourself up there and have a look because uh, yeah. you, can, you can do a got, got need in a panini, <laughs> panini <laughs> style. It. So talking about got, got need, any mm. on your list that you are trying to find and you can reach out to some fans listening? Well, as, as I was saying, I did the... Um... That itinerary of, of every shirt we've worn since the 70s i think there's about 210 to 215 right. shirts that are that that city have worn either goalkeeper or home away third shirts since 76 okay. so of, of that i've got about 140 right um so there's still but i think some are literally impossible to find they might not even exist anymore there's some goalkeeper shirts um i mean basso himself had about i mean i think one or two of the seasons he had about seven or eight different goalkeeper shirts himself i think he just really? customized them himself he just used to used to find and i've included that in in the 200 and of course so, so that, that's i think he's just found himself some puma goalkeeper shirts literally asked for das or whoever our sponsor was at the time to be added and sometimes they've not even got a badge a city badge so he had loads some a maverick a maverick on the pitch yeah and <laughs> off the pitch yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So Basso, I need to get in touch with him and say, look, have you got anything that I can potentially, I mean, I'm happy to donate to charity or whatever it may be, but yeah, um, like I say, it's, it's a, I need to, yeah, there's a few needs in there, definitely. That, those yeah. ones, those goalkeeper shirts. In terms of like home and away shirts, I think there's only, and third shirts, there's only one that I need since 76. Wow. And that that is um, the... 98-99 third shirt we had a white shirt we had Sanson computer recruitment as a sponsor it was made by all sports mm. and it was a white third shirt i think we wore it once against bradford okay um and it had red a red sponsor on it i can i seem to remember i've seen some pictures of it on the um in yeah, like if, you, program, if you've got some program. image images yeah send it across and i'll i'll stick that on our on our twitter and uh a bit, of a bit of a rally cry and someone, oh, someone must have it because I think I think for you to have a collection of home and away, let alone the goalkeepers shirts, yeah. um, a complete collection, that is absolutely amazing. And 
obviously the the way you present them as well i i I just i just love how christine they are and how flat they are i mean i i've got some of these shirts in my mum's loft that probably have got skags in them and you know all scrunched up and things like that and uh one day i will get up there and and try and have a look but uh yeah the presentation is fantastic and i guess that's you've looked after them and the ones you've bought have been looked after as well yeah i tend to try and find them in, in good condition. I mean, sometimes they're, they're, they're not in as great condition as, as you'd like, but I, I sort of just lay them out on a carpet at home and, and, and take a, an image of it, you know, a photo of it with a, with a flash and it kind of just comes out pretty well. And it's, they're quite uniform, but that's, I think that's a bit like me, really. I kind of like everything quite exact yeah. and precise. So I, can't, so I just thought, I, I wanted all these, in, all these shirts to get out there on the internet somewhere because there's a site that I put them on as well called Old Football Shirts where people can just upload pictures of their old shirts for every club mm-hmm. um you know foreign clubs non-league clubs and there's quite a lot of city ones missing and that kind of spurred me on to want to get a lot more city shirts as well so um wow. yeah it's been it's many goalkeeper shirts i'm missing now so uh yeah, yeah that's, that's... <laughs> fantastic all right i've got to ask you about this season's shirts and that's um you know obviously we've had two <laughs> two lots this season with uh the, the hummel and then the switch to o'neill's and the, obviously the o'neill's ones are a, a nod back to the 88 89 season with the higher right kits uh the yellow and the uh the the pinstripe red which we did have kind of flashes of with the man united season um yep. with the Corey smith goal which is another shirt i really liked um but your thoughts on the the latest Actually, let's go back to the start of the season. The nod yep. to the 54-55 season with with the uh with the white sleeves. Your thoughts on that, first of all, and I, then we'll come on to the current one. I quite like I quite like these shirts. Funny enough, I've actually only got the goalkeeper's shirts from the start of the season. My my brothers have got the the others, so I have got a complete collection if I need to borrow theirs for the photos. But um right. yeah, I've only actually got the, the goalkeeper shirts. But I do I do like um I think Hummel did a great job to be honest with all of our shirts. Um, they they allowed us to I think customize them as to, to how we kind of wanted them, and they I, I think the, the home shirt from the start of the season was relatively plain. It wasn't one. It wasn't up there as one of my favourites, but I, I didn't mind it. It was quite a nice. I'm a fan of the, I'm a fan of the collar, which I which I quite liked for this for that reason. Yeah, I like that Hummel did, um, sort of blanked out their their logo a little bit to to allow us to be mm. more. To the the fifties shirts and it was quite it was very plain wasn't it, it just had the sponsor obviously um Habu and and the badge and that was literally it so um yeah I mean I I, I liked it I'll give it sort of a you know seven out of ten it was it's not a classic but it's, it's you know it's up there and the one shirt I think you've, the, you've just opened up a whole new world if we're going to go through and give them all scores <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <thank> <laughs> <almost>. yeah. <laughs> um and the away shirt is again that's it's it's not too bad it, it's, it's with the the black and the white, sorry, black and the red stripe, it's, it's reminiscent of that the shirt we had um, from like the mid two thousands. I can sort of picture Leroy Lisa and that that white with we had the red and the black yeah. horizontal stripe, didn't we? Um, so again, yeah, quite liked it. Um, I think the third shirt of this season was my favourite. Like what from the start of the season with the um, the, the grey and the orange, which was unusual. It's not anything we've ever had before. It's quite yeah. Quite it's, it's like a melange color, I mm. think. Um, and the robin shirt, as it was known. But yeah, it was different. Um, I I, I quite like the design. Um, but yeah, we've we've obviously only had that for two thirds of the season, and now we're into the O'Neills era. Yeah. Um, yeah. so your thoughts on on those kits? 
it came as a bit of a surprise, didn't it? All of a sudden, <laughs> launched, and we, we didn't really, really know much about it. But um, I, yeah, I, I, I think I, I don't mind the. I, I like the fact that we've we've harped back to the eighty-eight to ninety season, and you know, almost bang on um, with the colour scheme and the, the look of the shirts because they're the, they're almost identical. They're really, really similar in terms of the layout, um, the, the pinstripe, the double mm. pinstripe, colour, everything. Um, yeah, I, I, I prefer the the third shirt they've launched so far. The the yeah. um, the yellow, yeah, the sort of light. It's almost like pastely yellow, isn't it, with the green trim. Um, I like the badge on that as well. I quite like that the flying robin, which well, came out again nowhere. That's something that's caused a lot of noise and a lot of uh, discussion. The fact that yeah. the 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 crest is on the back of the shirt and the the robin is on the front of the shirt, but you don't mind it. I, I quite, no, I quite like the the robin. It's kind of a lot of teams are doing that, aren't they, at the moment? They seem to be, you know, r- launching this random badge all of a sudden out of nowhere. And you, sometimes you, you don't get the exact same badge on every shirt throughout mm. the season. It's something I think is coming more and more common throughout the league. Um, the home shirt, I, I don't mind the home shirt. It's, again, it's not a classic, but um, yeah, I, when you see like images and stuff on social media, or even when, when they're playing, it almost looks a bit pinky. Which I yeah, think, I think I think that some people said that about the first time it was worn, and I don't know whether that was you know um, a, a prototype shirt or or what. But I I don't I haven't noticed it personally in in the more recent games. And as I said, that was the first season that I started watching really eighty eight eighty nine yeah. properly. Um, so the nod to that season is something that I I really love. Um, so if you if you were picking the color scheme of the away shirt which is yet to be announced what would you what would you like to see and design um, I mean I, I, the purple line is, is iconic for everybody isn't it um, I don't know whether they'll go for that that, that season although that, it's strange that we've got that as our third shirt the, the, the yellow and the green so they're going to put obviously insert something in between and we didn't have a, obviously another shirt from, from the 88 to 90 season so it's, it's, I don't know it's probably going to be I'd like the purple and lime again I, I love all the purple and limes it's, it's sort of synonymous with us isn't it you know people skip up line they, they think of city i think a lot of a lot of um other clubs do um because it's quite quite unique isn't it really well we've kept um, we've kept our purple and lime as our as our icon for the bonus show on yeah, our podcast yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so yeah we're, we're definitely in the the purple and lime category but yeah it'd be interesting to see um i think there's a you know it could be white could be black could be a mixture of the two but uh, yeah, certainly purple and lime um, would be would be my my favourite. Um, I, I had to choose. I think I'd go. We had a shirt, a, a, a away shirt in the mid nineties. You remember it? It would be the the green and black hoops with with red yep. around the black. I've, I've got some images of it on yeah um, on my my pages. But um, that yeah, I, I like. I, I'm waiting for that to come back. It's, it's disgusting, but I'm waiting for that to make a return at some point. So if I had to choose, I'd probably go for one of those and just say that. Would you? Why? I know it's it's it's, it's, a, it's crazy, but it's... that's more like a rugby shirt. That one is, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just looking at the curtain now. So on on your on your Instagram page, which again is Bristol City Shirts, Bristol underscore City underscore Shirts, are all of your your images up there? Are they? I, I don't doesn't quite look like 140 or whatever no, it is. Are you I've sort got, of? I've got some to come. Yeah, I've got some uh, some beauties to put up. I'm, I'm trying to spread them out. Some of the more common shirts amongst some of the rarer shirts, just to keep everyone guessing. But there's um, there's definitely some. I've got one actually. The next one I'm going to put up, I think, is going to be the 81 to 83 away shirt, 
which popped up on eBay about a month ago. Um, I'd never seen one before, to be honest. I hadn't even seen any footage of us wearing it. So it popped up. I was like, I, I think I've seen one image of an older guy with it on, like a blurry image about five years ago. So the fact this popped up, and I was like, brilliant. I need this. And so I managed to get that out. So what, I, so what seasons? 81 to 83? 81 to 83. Yeah. I put an image of it on um, a site called oldfootballshirts.com. So what colour is it? It's white. It's, it's exact. So the, the yeah, it's white. It was made by, um, I think it's Coffer Sports. Okay. Um, it's not actually on, on my, any of my sites yet. So I've only put it on that um, oldfootballshirts.com mm. um, site. But uh, yeah, that's the next one I'm going to put up, I think, on my on my pages um it was awesome. yeah th- those ones are really hard to come by that that season because we, we we had low attendances we weren't doing very well financially so the shirts from that that era like the early 80s have been the hardest ones to get hold of because they just no one seems to have them um and i don't know if they made many available to fans at the time commercially available so yeah they were definitely the hardest well, to, yeah to i mean when i guess when did they start making them commercially available and i guess that's a bit of a limitation of uh, rather um of it, unless you can get players shirts that they wore from years before that uh mm. yeah I, I, it's a question of how far back can you go yeah i mean i've got some the only other other ones i've got prior to 1978 are just like remakes sort of more recent replicas so from, i got one from 58 62 and 73 74 but again they're just recent remakes i mean they weren't made commercially available at the time no, so so i mean that's as close as you're going to get really but um unless you have the the original players shirts but um yeah. i think 76 when we got promoted to the old first division i think that's when they became commercially available right. um there's we had those the shirts with the umbro and the umbro down, down the sleeves. We had that for, I think, five seasons. So a lot of people have those. Um, so it wasn't as hard to get hold of those sorts of shirts. But then it was the seasons after that when we hit the financial trouble and we had the shirts for just one season, one season, one season. So that, that happened until about 83 when we had the shirt consistently for about three seasons. Um Home, I've got the home and away from both of them. And they again, they were reasonably straightforward to get hold of. It was those ones where we just had them for one season. With that, um, umbra, with that Umbro shirt, they're on some of the yeah. images from the trading cards, they've got Umbro where the crest is as well, haven't they? Yeah. that was. I, I read, it, read it up about that. That was something to do with the fact they hadn't designed our badge at that point. Okay. Um, and so they so had... Just stick an Umbro one there. Yeah, <laughs> they just stuck two Umbros on rather than an Umbro and a badge. I think even had team photo taken at yeah, that did. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With with the two umbros, which are unusual. I'd love to get hold of one of those. Actually, that would be quite yeah quite a, quite a rare one for the collection. So, um, but I don't know if, I don't know if there's, there's any of them available or uh, one of the players <laughs> in existence anymore. We'll have yeah, to find so, out. yeah, I expect so. All right, so a couple of quick fire questions for you. Your yeah. fa- favorite crest. Oh, favorite crest has got to be. I'm a fan of the current crest. Mm-hmm. I do like what they've done with that, but I think it's got to be the the Robin, the, the early '90s Robin, on the ball with the suspension bridge. That's one I picked. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. that's my favorite. Yeah, that's my favorite I, as well. <laughs> I, I can't, <laughs> I can't imagine many people have picked the BCF BC82 badge that we had for a few seasons. That was a bit of an odd no. one, but okay. Um, yeah, I think that that's it. That that Robin, that's the one for me. Right, not necessarily in terms of quality, but your favorite make in terms of how it looks on the shirt you've got tfg um, nibor 
Hummel, yeah. Adidas, Bristol Sport, Umbro. Ooh, I've got it. The TFG. I like the Puma ones. The Puma shirts yep. were pretty good. Um, that's, that's what I've landed on as well. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Puma shirts. I mean, Adidas made quality shirts, so there's no denying that. They're, you know, they're yeah. good shirts. Um, God, we've, been, we've been through quite a lot. Lotto. Um, yeah, the, I think the lotto. I, I was going to say the lotto is probably again. It's, it's to do with nostalgia and when I was like, you know, at my peak, yeah, around that 13, 14, 15 age when you've got, you know, it, City just absolutely, you know, took over my life around that period of time. So yeah. I think all, all those lotto shirts, I think I think got the best memories of. Yeah. Um, I've got a few prototype shirts as well. We had around that time, so I think I quite like the lotto ones. I'm going to say lotto. I think with those. Yeah, we have but, had a lot, like say. Oh yeah, I'm just looking through now, and some I even forgotten. All sport as well in the '99, yeah. uh, 2000 season. I, I don't think the Bristol Sport ones were. Um, yeah, the Bristol too, Sports too, ones. Yeah, a few years ago. Yeah, they were okay, but again, the quality of those shirts wasn't wasn't as good as some of the others. But um, yeah, it was, I like the fact that we did that though. We, you know, we had our own brands, and yeah. like like when we had the Nibor, similar sort of thing, isn't it? Absolutely. All right, and then sponsor in terms of look. Um, oh, going back to again, dry black fawn cider mid 90s again. Nice, nice. It looked yeah, good. There's some, there's some classics, isn't there? Thorn Security, Higher Right, um, yeah. Auto yeah. Windsprings. Obviously, Habu at the moment has to be the best as the sponsor of Three Peeps in a Podcast. Um, <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> but no, it does, it does look good. Um, so yeah. Absolutely fascinating. We could talk about Bristol City football kits all day long, I'm sure. And yeah, hopefully we can meet up and have a beer and talk talk some more. But thank you so yeah. much for revealing your identity. I thought you were going to remain a bit like a Banksy. Well, I was hoping just, to, but just to... <laughs> sorry, I've blown your cover. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean it's great to talk about it, and I think a lot of people will will want to help you in terms of you know not completing well completing your collection, getting you some more, getting you some ones you maybe haven't got, and even go further back as well. So yeah. Unless anyone comes forward and says, I've got a, a more complete collection than Marcus, I'd be very surprised. But um, who knows? Who knows who else is out there? Do you know of any other uh, like-minded individuals? Um, th th there was a guy who I thought was rivaling me at one point, but then he was he was willing to sell a lot of his collection, which I ended up buying up, including that actually, the one you mentioned earlier, the 96-97 um, third shirt. I actually got that from him. Um, and a couple of, of shirts from the 80s. So I think we were sort of, it's touch and go whether it was me and him for a while, but um, he, yeah, s sold me a few of his. And so um, I think I might, might have pipped me to it. I don't know. I might have, might have pipped him to it. Sorry. But um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'd like to, I'd like to meet anyone who's, who's got a, a larger collection. I think for me, it's about not necessarily owning every shirt. I mean, as much as I'd love to do that, it's about the journey to try and own every shirt. You see what I mean? I'm that, that's it's exciting. Tr it's... Trying to get them and you know, when they pop up on, ebay or classic football shirts or wherever i end up uh, you know trying sourcing them from when you, i see one that i need that's the exciting part yeah um and then obviously yeah when it arrives you know taking photos of it and sticking yeah. on, on, on the pages well, i can remember you know more so in my sort of formative years we say but kit, uh, kit release day when you could actually go down and get your hands on it was You'd go down, you'd queue up, and I'm sure there were people down there this morning at nine o'clock queuing up outside, waiting to get their hands on the shirt. Um, yeah, but yeah, fascinating. Uh, love your collection, love your work. Um, yes, 
Are you a season ticket holder? Do you, do you go to every game or home yeah, away? Yeah, I've got season your... ticket. yeah, I used to go to away the away games quite a lot um, in the sort of mid two thousands, early early twenty tens. Um, less so now. I'm married with a child, so I'm finding I sort of maybe get to one or two away games a season if I can. Mm. Um, but yeah, I got season tickets still. Um, yeah, love it. Just well, fantastic. Hopefully, <laughs> for those away games you can't get to, you're able to listen to our bonus show and see what what our thoughts were about the game. And uh, obviously, we've got we've got Robin's TV now, and and we've got lots of ways of watching the games. But yeah, nothing nothing beats getting to, getting along to the to the game and experiencing it, even if you do have to travel to Sheffield on a Tuesday night, which we did um, <laughs> in the week. <laughs> Fair play, and you went to Watford as well. I understand that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, well, Matt Withers, who I do the podcast with, he has been to every game this season. Um, oh, brilliant! So, yeah, home, home and away, and um, yeah, only three games to go. So, I'm hoping yeah. that he can can tick that box and and go from there. But thank you so much, Marcus. We'll be back after the break with our reaction to the Rotherham home game. And yeah, Marcus, take care. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. Cheers. This is a message from the Bristol City Former Players Association. Throughout last season, we brought a number of ex-players back to Ashton Gate. We were pivotal in delivering celebratory events, including the Ashton Gate 8 40th anniversary, and we also celebrated the stars of the 60s who were paraded on the pitch. This season, we will be commemorating some important moments in the club's history and some very important people who were part of our club. If you would like to assist with sponsorship of any of these events, please get in touch with me via email to events at bcfcformerplayers.co.uk. In addition, we are always on the lookout for any interesting artefacts from the club's history to add to our ever-growing Bristol City archive. Thanks for listening, and my email address again is events at bcfcformerplayers.co.uk. Thank you. Okay, thanks to Marcus for that interview. Hope you all enjoyed that. But what a weekend it has been so far. Three back up front. Conway back amongst the goals. Vyman notching his 50th City goal. City win three points. The women's team win the women's championship title at Ashton Gate. And as we speak, Alex Scott has just picked up EFL Young Player of the Year. Matt, what a weekend. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, obviously, we'll go on and talk about the 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 men's team in the, the three points. But yeah, rightly, um, congratulations to Laura and the team um, getting promotion. Um, after a, a lot of trials in having to sort of reset after the relegation a couple of seasons back, narrowly missing out last year. So, yeah, tremendous achievement. Four great goals. Um, and then, as you say, um, breaking news as we're, as we're recording, Alex Scott named EFL Young Player of the Season, which is just fabulous. Um, yeah. And when you read the list of names patch of, of players, who've, who've prestigious players who've won that award, Jude Bellingham, Deli Alley and the likes, yeah, it makes you realise just what a talent, well, we already know what we've got, don't we? So Yeah, yeah. fantastic achievement. And as I've just put on Twitter, um, to anyone reading this, I've done the old David Brent led on his bed. With this, is his, uh, yeah. <laughs> this is going to cost you. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, fantastic. I, I mean, it, it's, that's true though isn't it it's, it is going to add to his value yeah, um and you'll think that other clubs will then start well i'm sh- i'm sure all of the the sort of prem clubs will have looked at him mm. um but yeah it, it's brilliant absolute kudos to him um and also his family um you know they must be really really proud 
100 percent um yeah so matt you mentioned the bristol city women's game four nil great goals clinton harrison aspin and morgan and uh my pick of the match was ella power fantastic game down the right hand side was was all, yeah, they were all great throughout, but Ella was the one who really stood out for me. And uh, the goal from Morgan at the end, Matt, I don't know if you saw that one. Yeah, yeah, well, I watched it on the FA player. Um, I mean, almost, you, you sort of think, does she think she's offside? Because to, to hit it that early um, <laughs> and beat the keeper. But similarly, Abby Harrison scoring direct from a free kick. Um, corner. Uh, sorry, a corner, beg your pardon, yeah. Um, yeah, brilliant. Um, four very good goals. Four very yeah. good goals. And and really quite a, a dominating performance. But you also have to say um, the goalkeeper, Fran Bentley, made a couple of absolutely brilliant saves. Yeah. Brilliant absolutely, saves. yeah. Great to see the pyro as well and the confetti. <laughs> Great scenes towards the end there of, uh, of of a fantastic day. I was down yeah. there, I took uh, my little boy down and we had a, we had a great day out. So roll on the the super league looks forward to look forward to seeing some more games at ashton gate for that one yeah right um let's bring in our guest um and that is chris johnson chris is a returning guest he's also part of uh team fpa chris how are you sir even chaps yeah good how are you doing yeah, not bad at Thank all. You, we'll do our talk club check-in. Um, I don't know. I could be any better, but I've, I've, I'm going to leave a 10 for Ooh. something extra special. So I'm going to go 9 out of 10. It's a Sunday evening, um, and I've, I've just gone through how how what a weekend it was, and I've had a good day as well. So 9 out of 10 for me. Chris, how about yourself? Not quite the dizzy heights that you're at, Patch, but uh, no, I've uh, been enjoying watching sports afternoon. There's been a lot on, so it's been good. So I think I'm firmly at probably seven and a half, eight at this moment in time. Nice. Okay. Matt? Yeah, I'm a good eight. Um, like Chris, just watched the uh, the FA Cup semi-final, Man United versus Brighton. Quite a, a, an open game, um, plenty of sort of chances, and uh, went to Pens, which is always exciting. And spoiler alert, yeah, Man United uh, winning 7-6 on Pens. Unlucky Sunny March, the 13th pen for Brighton, then firing it over the bar. But there were some absolute worldy pens. Um, just unbelievable. So yeah, and all Manchester's all Manchester FA Cup final in June. Has that happened before? Must have done. Yeah, they, I'm sure. I, I don't know actually. I don't no, think it has actually. It. I think they were saying it hadn't. Yeah. Yeah, may, maybe in the the League Cup. I think yeah. it has, but yeah, maybe not the FA Cup. Um, but yeah, brilliant. So, earth, I'm, so I'm a good eight on that. Yeah. What on earth happened to Spurs earlier as well? Well, I think um, capitulation after about twenty minutes. Yeah, they were they were what five nil down after twenty odd minutes. But I think the manager came out afterwards and said that they weren't prepared for it. And you're like, <laughs> well, you know, you're just just writing your P forty five there. Make sure they just sort of oh, saying that. Goodness. But yeah. Brilliant. Right, I'll come back to you, Chris. Uh, at the top of the show, we're going to give a shout out to the FPA Golf Day, which is on July the 4th, as I understand it, playing for the Marina Dolman Cup. Uh, but tell us a little bit more about what it is, how people can get involved and all the costs and associated with it, etc. Yep, sure. So it's um, our inaugural uh, golf day on the 4th of July, so it's Tuesday. Um, Noel Golf Club is, um, and I live in Noel, and it's a bit of a random place in terms of it's like a hidden, hidden oasis in the middle of Bristol. It's somewhere you don't you don't even realise is there. So I went around there the other day, and there's um, a great golf course for us. We're hosting a, a whole day, um, which will have teams of uh, well three three non former players in the team, and then a former player to join them. Um, and there is a cost of three hundred pounds for that. So if anyone is interested, to let me know, and we can send some details on on how to get in touch. But yeah, it's going to be a day we're going to have coffee, bacon sandwiches. Uh, you get to 
play 18 holes. We'll get to show for you around in some buggies as well. Some of the FPA team will be there to do that. Uh, we'll have the usual kind of competitions like nearest the pin, longest drive, all those sorts of things, um, followed by a two-course dinner post-round. Someone's going to win that Marina Dolman trophy, and then we're going to hopefully have a charity auction as well and um, to get some prizes donated. So it's shaping up to be a, a really good day. Excellent. Yeah. So if you do want to uh, to get in touch, then just come through us, if you like, on at 3PIAPC and we'll send your your details on to Chris and then we'll go from there. But yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. Looking forward to it, Chris. Thanks for that. Right to yesterday's game, the, the lineup, Matt. I saw it come through and I was very excited, very excited to see what looked like, and we we led to believe was three up front, which it was. Um, De Silva coming out on his birthday, <laughs> Vyman Gosh. coming out, and Wells coming out with Naismith, Scott, and Conway coming back in. So we lined up O'Leary, Tanner, Viner, Naismith, Pring, James, and King, and then uh, Scott. Cornick, Conway, and Bell. So it was back to four three three, Matt. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think probably the surprise, probably after Tuesday's game and and Nigel Pearson's post match comments about the substitutes, i.e., Alex Scott, Tommy Conway, um, and Mark Sykes. I was surprised to see Alex Scott and Tommy Conway sort of starting. Um, glad that they were. Um, and then similarly with with Carl Naismith. Good to see him. And then importantly on the bench, Joe Williams um on the bench. And we thought we'd That was a seen... real surprise, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, we we thought we'd seen the last of Joe this season um because of what had been said. So great to have him back on the bench as well. But yeah, an, an attacking lineup, definitely. And yeah. good to see Cam Pring in his his more favoured left back position. Slightly harsh on Jay on his birthday, but also Jay's been playing very, very well, hasn't he, of late? But mm. um, you know, when we talk about the game, it 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 proved to be the right move, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a more of a, a, a 4 2 one, 3 Chris, with Naismith obviously coming back into the middle. Uh, your thoughts on A, Naismith uh, playing at centre-back and then also going back to three up top? It was nice to see Cal back. So it was nice to see him back in the squad. Um, I think one of the things you get with with Naismith um, from the off, I mean, the, the, the balls that were being put forward um, is probably slightly more unusual than we'd seen when Naismith isn't playing. So actually the the balls down the line, the balls in over the top, um, it was very quick to release Conway uh, and Bell specifically, I think in the first sort of 10, 15 minutes, that was very evident. Um, some of the times they come off, some of the times they don't, I think that's safe to say, but um, I think it was nice to have that dynamic of, a, of the balls over the top and that really enabled the the speed of our youngsters to, to really challenge Rotherham at times. Um, and I think with those three up front, you know, and Cornick, um, interesting, you know, he's, he's he's held on to his spot. I think he's 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 a he's a funny player, Cornick. He's he's a he's, he comes across a little bit gangly at times. You know, you don't know where where you're going to get the ball off him, and um, he does run. Um, you know, he's he's definitely fast, and and when he does get going, uh, but yeah, I think with Bell and Conway, they were um, really came out the blocks. To be honest, so I was really impressed by that that starting three up front. Yeah, I, I didn't see it as a three up front. I did think Tommy was more of the forward, the one, and I thought he had the two wide and, and King and um, Alex sort of in the middle, and then King and James just in behind. So I don't know what kind of shape it was really. I mean, almost like a four-two, two, two wide, one <laughs> get, in the middle, get, and then get, one up top. Yeah, getting so, complicated. 
I don't know what it was, but yeah, Tom, Tommy, I thought was playing. Um, it felt it felt more, more like a but it more felt like more of an attacking option. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but the bench, Matt, Wells, Richards, De Silva, Williams, Sykes, Vyman, Memetti, and Wells. You know, we we spoke about a month or so ago, maybe even six weeks of how strong the bench was. Then we had a few more injuries, but now we've got players coming back. It's great to see that we've got that firepower on the bench. Yeah, I mean, the the only one you you would say there is an experience is obviously Harvey. Um, the rest mm. of them w- would arguably be first team starters, wouldn't they? Um, yeah. In most weeks, I, th- I did feel Naki was slightly un- unlucky also to to, to miss out because um, I think he's been playing well. But yeah, very very attacking lineup, and agree exactly what Chris said with with Naismith. And I mean, you'll talk about it now, but right from the get go, you you saw what he mm. brings to the team. Yeah, and I just want to touch on Sam Bell as well. We'll come on to talk about the ratings yeah. and everything later, but I, I think for me, he's found a position where he can exert exactly what type of player he is, which is someone who's going to get at the fullback, uh, cut inside, ha- can shoot, can cross. Uh, what you know, for, since January, he's just come on in so much in the last four months. He has, um, and. You, you sort of saw the difference with Tommy Conway last season through the preseason then into the early start of the season. I think Sam Bell can now take his end of season form into the summer break, into preseason. And next year, you know, we'll absolutely be looking to start. Um, I thought he was outstanding again yesterday. And that followed on from really impressive performances against Sheffield um, and Watford as well. Yeah, you can see the confidence he's got, right? He's yeah, just, yeah. He's just, it's all over it now, and he's, he's really start starting place now for so yeah. long. He's exhuming confidence, confidence now. So I think get him on the weights over the summer. I think that's probably the one thing that would be good to see. Get yeah. that speed up. Um, get him holding up the ball a bit more. But yeah, he's definitely um, full of confidence. Yeah, agreed. Bumped into a, a lad yesterday, a listener called Marcus. It's his birthday in the coming week, so I just said I would say wish him a very happy birthday. Um, so happy birthday, Marcus. Happy birthday, Marcus. Okay, into the first minute then. Naismith ball forward to Bell. He turns inside, bends one right-footed, well saved. Chris, I thought that was going to fly in in the first minute. It was the angle where we were sat, you know, as well. It was right behind it. And, uh, you know, we've been sat behind those before. They've gone rocket into the top corner. But uh, maybe just a little too soon in the game to get the the feelers in for for the goal. But um, it certainly could have been slightly different. Yeah, and Matt Naismith is already already looking for that opening, looking for passes. Um, and we've seen them when he's been playing early in the season. I remember one away. I can't remember where it was, but he was looking really early to ping those passes um, and set the set the tone. Yeah, it was it was quite a kind of um, a, a sort of flat hit kind of pass out to Bell. To be fair, I think it was Bell's touch inside, and then the shot that really made that what it was. Um, he gave Peltier, who's, who's an experienced pro. Um, certainly at this level, all sorts of problems um, and, and maybe just a little bit too close to the keeper. But it's, it's like I said, it's what Naismith gives you. He, he he wants to go forward and, you know, we've got to accept that, yes, he's going to make the odd mistake because of what he's trying to do. The passes won't always come off, but when they do, I don't think there's anybody else in the team that can play a ball like that. Joe Williams on his day, maybe, but yeah. Mm. 11th minute another occasion where the ball has fallen to Bell and this occasion he cuts it to the byline drills it across and it's Zach Viner in the middle uh, who just gets beaten to it by the defender but no corner Chris yeah I mean we weren't sure at the time what was going on if I'm honest because it was whether it was a, a Viner miss or a, it certainly looked like a corner 
um, in the end. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, we I was, I, I was hoping it was a corner because uh, you'd hope he wouldn't miss from there had he got on the ball. Yeah, exactly. 15th minute there, Naismith crying out for options. You could see that he was gesturing like, make a run, make a run. No one did on that occasion, but he gave it short to Matty James. He finds Cam Pring, takes one touch, then ping, ping, prings. (laughs) (laughs) Tongue-tied. Pring, pings one uh, with a left foot cross pinpoint onto the head of Tommy Conway and the technique, the arching back of the head, the powerful header coming forward. It was an amazing cross, an amazing header, and that's Tommy Conway now level, Matt, with Naki Wells on 11 goals for the season. Brilliant goal. Brilliant goal. The the, the ball from Pring was to perfection, um, played to where you want it, the, the penalty spot, um, but with pace, um, you know, coming back to him. And as you say, Tommy Conway gets there and, and he, he's up early um, and then just has to hold his position and his shape to then let the ball almost sort of hit his head and then direct it. He didn't have to do anything. I mean, that sounds really um, like it was a simple effort. But what I mean is he didn't have to put any pace on the ball because the pace was all from the cross, mm. but had to make sure he held that header. And it was just, I mean, it was like a, a a goal that, if you'd seen Harry Kane score that the weekend, you'd be talking about it. What a header, what a cross. Um, and it just shows what Pring brings you. And, and as much as I've liked Jadis over the last few weeks, Campering delivers balls like that, you know, quite often. Um, and yeah, it was it was just a fabulous, fabulous goal, I thought, Patch. And Pring, Chris, is constantly looking to get down that line, isn't he? Yep. Whereas, you know, Jay De Silva has done it on occasion, but often it will be him passing to someone and then trying to receive the ball back. But Pring's just got one thing on his mind, hasn't he, when he gets hold of the ball? Yeah, he has. He's got that kind of raw kind of talent just to just to keep pushing and keep going as well. And I think, but I know the crosses has been our Achilles heel. We've talked about it enough. I've listened to it enough on your podcasts, uh, seen it with my own eyes. And I think putting a ball in, you know, a cross like that was just uh, I was, it was just very unexpected, if I'm honest. And it was such a good cross. I mean, um, with Na- with Naismith back as well, you know, crossing. Hopefully, we're going to see some improvements there. And it still wasn't the best yesterday, but you know, there's a great example of when that does work, go well. And also for Conway. I think I, I thought he was under a lot more pressure actually at the time as well for that header. So yeah, he was up in the air a lot, but equally there was a lot going on in and around it, and he just yeah. managed to just stick up in the air and almost looked like he had so much space. Where actually I think the reality was he did not have as much space as we thought. So it was a great header, great goal. Yeah, he was compared to um, halftime summary Rob uh, to Didier, Didier Drogba on the radio. Christ, after Christ, I, <laughs> I thought you said he was compared to halftime summary Rob. I thought like. <laughs> I can't see Rob getting up and heading a ball like that. <laughs> oh, my God. No, brilliant. Love it. Right. Okay. 26th minute. Pring getting down the left again. Well, feeds the ball to Bell, who's excelling in this left of the three slot. He beats his man and fires one hard and low, which Harry Cornick gets on the end of, Matt. And I've seen this back a few times. And it's one of those ones that he definitely won't want to be seeing again. But he's in the position to try and get a goal. Yeah, I mean, I, I I want to defend him, um, but no, it's, it's it was a shocking miss, wasn't it? And and in in fact, if you'd said to him, right, this ball's coming across, try and put it over the bar, you couldn't do it. It just his technique was just all wrong and got his feet in a muddle. Um, and I almost think he thinks he scored because he almost seems as if he's actually celebrating and then realizes that it's not and is then sort of on the pitch. But the other thing I noticed is Alex Scott then goes over to him and pulls him off the post and sort of saying, come on, you know, unlucky, let's get back onto it, 
which again shows the maturity of the lad. But yeah, it was an absolute shocker. He's got a score there, hasn't he? Yeah. At this point, we're, we are in the game. We are 1-0 up. I'm thinking my 3-0 prediction could be on. Agreed. Um, yeah. And it just, yeah, you know, we'll, we know what happened. But um, 31st minute, really well-timed tackle from Zach Viner as Rotherham are coming forward a bit more now, Chris. But uh, Zach Viner gets gets those tackles in and it's been a good season for him. It has been a good season. It's been, uh, wow, I think he's he's certainly up there in terms of one of our best performers of the season. Again, His best season, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we'll come on to discussing when sometimes it doesn't quite go correct, uh, correctly. But uh, yeah, he's certainly been. Uh, he's you know he's just he's showing that kind of talent now. He's showing um, he's 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 competing a lot more. He's getting the tackles in. You know, he's racing back. He's he's leading a bit more as well, which is nice to see. Um, I mean, there's been rumours around him and potentially moving up to uh, being acquired by the other teams as well. So Brentford, he's certainly I think on radar. It was the rumour, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, 39th minute, Matt. Conway taken out uh, just on the edge of the box. Wins a free kick, uh, which Naismith takes um, and fires over. We've talked about free kicks numerous times, uh, and we've seen Wells come close, but obviously he wasn't on the pitch, so it fell to Naismith on this one. Yeah, I mean, Naismith has obviously got the ability, as as we've seen with Naki, but I, I, I always remember with coaching, and especially my, my nephew, Tom, who used to take a lot of our dead balls, always used to say to him, it's got to be target. Got to hit the target, no matter wherever else it is and what you do with it, but it has to be on target. And so many of our free kicks just aren't, are they? And this was another example from Naismith. I mean, it wasn't even close, was it? So, um, yeah, poor execution. I'd like to see the analysis. Uh, I know we've got a couple of analysts that listen to this of how many free kicks have yeah. hit the target. Um, it's definitely something I, that he's, I, he's looking at. And, and, and by that, yeah, making the keeper make a save. I mean, I guess you could say that the if it hits the wall, you know, arguably it's on target. But yeah, the keeper making the save no. doesn't feel like it's that many, does it, from Devils? I, I'd like it to go over the wall or round yeah, the wall, exactly. please. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> right, this has been a bit of um, a bone of contention and a few disagreements. Conway gets round his man in the 40th minute, gets goal side of him. He falls to falls to ground. Uh, right, Chris, you can take this one first. Was that a penalty for you? It depends. <laughs> it who's depends the, who the, the referee context. is? <laughs> depends on that. That's for sure who the ref is. The context of the game and the other decisions that, that go in within the game. I think... I've looked back at it a few times. I mean, I probably wouldn't have given it. I think it's you. You, I think you could, could give it, but I think from my side, it was a little bit too soft for my liking to to give that as a, as a penalty. Okay, I'll go next, Matt. For me, that was a penalty every day. Uh, it gets round his man, gets goal side, and there's contact, and he goes down, and he's in the box. So I'm going penalty. Matt, you're laughing, so I assume yeah. you're not going penalty. Never, never in a million years. Never <laughs> in a million years. Um, if we're giving penalties for that, and, and I agree in, in, in the context of what Chris says, because obviously we'll talk about another decision. Um, it was as much as a penalty as the one that was given, but neither were a penalty in my eyes. I thought it was, yeah, Tom Tommy, if he looks back on it, probably felt the touch, and it's a part of the modern game now. But yeah, it wasn't enough for me um, for that that challenge. Initially, I think he was pulled back, and so possibly a free kick outside the box. But as it goes in, no, I don't think it was enough to to warrant a penalty. It didn't look like a dive to me personally. I, there was one oh. just before that when Sam yeah. Bell got into the box, and he it did look like a dive. You know, yeah. he sort of went down in stages. But 
Yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't have said, to, and I don't mean Tommy Dove, not at all, but I just don't think it was a penalty. I don't think there was enough on it. Um, yeah. Okay. The, so... argu- the argument with that, Patch, is if the ref doesn't think it's a penalty and he thinks that Tommy, you know, the simulation there, then he should be being booked. Yeah. Why else would he get grind? Yeah, I just think that, um, I don't know. I don't know. It's a good good question. I don't know why the ref gave it that way. Um you know, didn't didn't book him, but yeah, when when I've looked it back, I didn't think it was a penalty. Okay. Well, I'm outnumbered, but uh, I'm I'm convinced it was. Anyway, halftime summary from Rob. Mostly happy overall, but again, the issue of our composure and effectiveness in the final third comes into question. Primarily based on the how did he miss that moment from Cornick? A slowish start, but we grew into the game, and Pring demonstrated how much we've missed him out wide. Superb cross for the goal, and a thumping header from Conway, who timed his run to perfection. Hopefully, we'll keep on the front foot. Second half, definitely more goals to be had. Okay, 58th minute, nice move as Bell receives a well-weighted pass. He attacks the box, feeds Conway on the right. He comes inside, passes to Cornick, back to Conway, and the goalkeeper makes a save. Uh, Good footage from Groundhop Payne on Instagram um, on the Dolman side of this move. So check that Instagram out. Um, and then just after that, Naismith shoots over from some 35 yards. But on that move from uh, from Cor- from Conway, Chris, uh, as you know, I was sat next to you. I was quite animated that definitely he should be getting the ball back from Harry Cornick. I've never heard somebody scream, give it, give it, give it so much in, in literally in one short space of time. But yeah, I think with, with Cornick's back to go, I mean, it's very intricate, intricate play between the two, three of them. It almost looked a little bit too intricate at times where, I think I thought they'd lost the ball as well those two or three times, but actually, yeah, it was a nice bit of play, nice bit of play in the box as well. And then to get that over to, to Conway. And I mean, from our angle, it, it looked like it had gone a little bit further towards, towards goal, but yeah, good save in the end. Yeah. Matt, were you at all surprised that I think Conway was just trying to find an opening, wouldn't he? To, to, to get a shot away or to, to lay it off to someone else, but he sort of ran, ran around the, uh, the D if you like. Yeah. In fairness, um, Sam Bell's ball wasn't as good as it could have been. If it had been played in front of Tommy, then I think Tommy would have taken it on his right foot and got the shot away. Couldn't. He had to come inside. And and as Chris says, it was it was good sort of intricate play with Cornick. Tommy worked the keeper. Um, probably was what you would call a nice height for the keeper. Um, you know, if he could have kept it lower or, or just sent it out a little bit further around him, then he was would have scored. But um, I, I thought Tommy was a real handful yesterday. Yeah. 65th minute, an easy clearance for Viner is scuffed, which causes him to try and clear. And he has a coming together with the Rotherham player and the referee punishes him and us and gives them a penalty, which Rotherham score for, score from, I should say. Matt, uh, your views on this one. Obviously, Viner shouldn't be giving him the option, but as you said already, a really soft penalty. Yeah, the ball's sort of, you know, I think Naismith misses a couple of challenges. Um, I think it's Ogbeni who gets the cross in. Pring, Pring can't stop the cross. And it almost seems to catch Zach a bit by surprise. It sort of seems to bounce up at him in kind of his knee or his chest. And then he sensibly doesn't make the challenge. Hugel then puts himself in a position where he's in front of sort of Zach and then almost throws his body into Zach to, to instigate the contact. And then goes down and the ref gives the penalty. And this is an example for me where as a ref, you've got to know the players you're refing 
And you've got to look at Hugel and go, look at the size of you, pal. There is absolutely no way you're going down like you did under a challenge like that. Zach doesn't make the challenge. It's 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 Hugel. So for me, absolutely no way was it a penalty. And going back to Chris's point, if the ref's given the first one, or not given the first one, sorry, against Tommy Conway, and gives this one, then he should be given both or shouldn't be given either, in my view. Um, I didn't think either of them were a penalty. Um, and Zach was was incandescent, and I'm pretty sure Nigel Pearson got booked. Alex Scott and Pearson got booked for that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure whether it was Pearson who did the you know who who was causing the problem i think i think it might have even have been um uh jason yule jason yule yeah. yeah but i think when they can't determine who it is doesn't the manager get the get yeah the it will it, it will be yeah it will be but um it was a scandalous decision i mean it was it's, it's never a penalty in a million years ridiculous yeah your thoughts on that one chris obviously the the ball does come across and you just think zach's gonna clear that every day and whether it bounces awkwardly or spins awkwardly or catches him unawares. But uh, yeah, then then the player going down, no penalty for me. Just a really, you know, I don't know whether it was caught in four minds, five minds there, with what, <laughs> what to do with the ball. Like it was just, yeah, anything you, you could have done, definitely don't do any of those things that you ended up doing, unfortunately. But yeah, good to hold off, good to hold off the challenge. But um, I mean, I've seen, I've seen fouls like that given outside the box, possibly. Um, but like I say, it's one or the other. It's a penalty for both or neither in this game. I think the ref got that unfortunately wrong on this occasion. I'd be so, really surprised if Nigel Pearson doesn't get a letter from the referees association or whatever they're called apologising, yeah. Because I think it's just a terrible decision. So it was 1-1, Matt, after 65 minutes. Yep. You know, when we went 1-0 up, could you have predicted that? No, because I didn't think... I don't. I don't... I didn't see Rotherham as... As poor a side as I saw of Blackpool and Huddersfield when we played them, I think they've got one or two sort of decent players. But it was it was such a comfortable first half for us. And like you, you you could only see us going on to score two, three, four goals really. Mm. And then a moment like that, and then you, and and you know Rob, um, who obviously does our halftime, and, and I heard on Radio Bristol afterwards, he was right. It kind of summed up our season really. You know, some really good moments, playing really well. And then we make a mistake, albeit as I say, I don't, I don't, I don't think it was a pen, but it was still a mistake from Zach. And then they're back in it, and then they then for five, ten minutes are the team that look more likely to score. So yeah, okay. Then we had within the space of ten minutes, uh, four substitutions. So the first one, first batch on the seventy-second minute was Vyman coming on for Alex Scott. And Sykes coming on for Harry Cornick. 77th minute, uh, Andy King coming off for Joe Williams. And on the 83rd minute, it's Conway coming off for Wells. So, Matt, first, the, that series of substitutions, when they came, um, obviously we're 1-1 we're and we're pushing for that that winner at that point. Yeah, I thought it was... Um... It was fairly attacking, wasn't it? He, it I, I was pleased that Sam Bell stayed on. I thought that was going to be the, the change that he made, and he didn't, which I was I was pleased with. Um, probably Scotty coming off and, and Vyman going in there, you could see. Um, and also good to see Joe Williams there. The other all, thing... All four, like for like, really. Really, yeah, really. Um, you, you might have thought, that you, and we talked about it before, you might have thought you'd switch Bell to the right and bring Mimetti on, give you something slightly different. 
But I think Sam was doing so well there that you, you wouldn't really want to change it. Um, the other thing for me that I noticed is when, when Tommy Conway got subs, Tommy races off. So he knows he's disappointed because he, he will absolutely want to play every minute, but he races off the pitch because he wants us to get that winner as well. So, you know, credit to him as well. But yeah, like, like you not say, not the Patrick, first was, time, not the first no, time. Not at all. That. Not at all. No. But like you say, very, very much sort of like for like subs really, weren't they? Yeah. Okay. Um, right. And then we've got into the 87th minute. Um, Andy Vyman gets booked when uh, Sykes was off and running. Uh, and I didn't really see what happened there, but I think he gets pulled back and then maybe just swipes out or something like that. Matt's nodding. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. On the halfway line, the ball, the ball got played out to the right and we're on the attack, but Andy Vyman, and I don't know if it was the wood, the center half or, or who it was, but they have a coming together. Vyman thinks he's fouled. Um, but yeah, the ref sort of spots Vyman's reaction really and books him for that. Okay, then there's a bit of a dodgy moment when Max O'Leary rolls the ball out to Joe Williams. For some reason, he sort of turns back towards our goal and is dispossessed. And yeah, it's one of those occasions where you think, I can't believe this is going to happen. Um, and Max has to make a really important save, Chris. Yeah, had shades of Harry Maguire in uh, the Europa League <laughs> on, on Thursday yeah. night. Unfortunately, I think again it's just um yeah, play the ball to someone in that in that position. Again, he's just come on the pitch pretty much. It's uh, you know, getting a get a feel for the ball. So um, but you know, they are professionals supposed to be able to to do that. But yeah, it was um it it uh, to be honest, I think it was there was a good sort of five, ten minutes where Rotherham really did look dangerous actually, and they they started to overrun us in midfield and on the counter-attack. And um I was just referring back to your the sub substitutions, and then we weren't sure why. You know, I think he brought King off about two minutes after he brought uh, the first two subs on and thought, well, why not do that all together if you can then yeah. maybe get Mimetti on towards well, the end of the game. It, but Yeah, unless you're trying to waste time, which we obviously weren't at that point. Yeah, and then maybe that's just because I think we were starting to get overrun. I think we needed some more pace and some more legs on, so mm. maybe that's why. But yeah, it was good to see the recovery in the end. But uh, Joe Williams certainly had his hand held up to, uh, to apologise to Max you quite do, quickly afterwards. You do wonder with that that... <clears throat> And I, I didn't see whether Joe asked for the ball or not. But as the keeper, Max can see who the receiving player is and what he's got on him. So he must have seen that there were players on him. And there's a bit that makes me think, is Max strong enough from the point of view that if a, a senior player asks for the ball, not to give it to him? Because you just don't give the player the ball in that situation. It, you know, Chris said it, called it exactly right. It was like the De Gea-Maguire one. Maguire calls for the ball off De Gea, he gives him it, and then he's got three men on him, Rob, they score. And it was similar there. Credit to Max, makes a brilliant save, but that's down on you, kid. You know, you, yeah. you should be playing the ball there. Well, I haven't seen a replay of that, and I don't know if there is, probably isn't one. But in my head, there was space ahead of Joe Williams, but he turned and came backwards, and then there's a player near him. I honestly... But, but, can't yeah, remember exactly but there's, a, there's a man there, isn't it? So if he's going to do that, then Max has to let him know, you know, because he's got his back to him. He's got a turn in. Yeah, I just, I, I, you know, one of them where you, I suppose, risk and reward to an extent. Yeah. I'm just watching the the Vyman 91st minute winner back. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's a, it's a cross in from Naki Wells. The header yeah. goes to clear it, falls to Naismith. He kind of guides it goalwards. It bounces off. Keeper makes a save. Hits Vyman, falls to the floor, and he stabs it home and does a lovely knee slide celebration. Matt, that was uh, almost Sunday League esque. That one. <laughs> well, f first and foremost, another good cross from one of our forward players in terms of Naki Wells. It was a, a good ball in, 
Um, there's a bit of a melee. Vyman ends up on the floor from that initial cross um, and then defender. And as you say, Naismith sort of prods it back across. The keeper makes a save. It, it hits Andy, sort of ricochets up to him either in the chin or the nose or, and then he stabs it home. But as he's reeling away, because it's not that long after he'd been booked with this, the sort of situation with the ref, he turns around and he's given the sort of Stuart Pearson fist up for those that remembered the, the Man United <laughs> celebration from the striker many, many years ago. But yeah, to the referee as if to say, here you go. Yeah, thanks very much. But yeah, good, good striker's goal. And importantly, Patch gets him up on the board, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Obviously, I doubt he'll go up on the board until he's finished in terms of with Bristol City. But uh, yeah, it, if you're 50 goals or more, you're up on the board, which is um, sort of in the South Stand, Lansdowne corner, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there's uh, some some names up there that, that to be alongside. Um, obviously, I'm sure he'll be massively honoured. But uh it's a goal. It's two one, and we win the game. And great to great to get that victory. And and as you as we always say, Matt, it just turns you up a couple of points, doesn't it, on your old talk club score? Yeah, it does. And 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 it was a deserved win. I mean, you know, three of us were talking about it after the game, and it and it was a deserved win. You know, you, you can't question that. But it's the kind of performance that we need to put those sort of teams to bed when we're on top. You know, and that that will be the difference next season. Um, a big three points. I think it it was three points that take us above our points tally from last season. Um, so even if we don't necessarily finish in a different position in the league, certainly points tally wise, we we will have improved. Um, but you know, it, it also showed some of the deficiencies that we've got. Um, but all in all, it was a yeah, deserved victory. Okay, right. Let's talk. Rate your ratings then. Yes. Okay. So. Um, well, I'll do the, the ratings first of all, and then I'll give the, the, the we do a poll obviously on the podcast. So, um, from the back point of view, uh, Zach, sorry, Zach, Max, I've gone six. Um, these decent performance from Max didn't have huge amounts to do. I thought his distribution actually, aside from the Joe Williams one, there was a couple of moments. He, he, there was one throw out to Sam Bell, um, that, that he had that breakaway. So, I thought, I thought his distribution was pretty decent yesterday. So six for Max. Um, George Tanner, I went six. And then the two centre-backs, Zach and Carl Naismith, I went two sixes. Yes, Zach had that little mistake. Um, but actually, if the, the ref doesn't give the penalty, then we probably don't really talk about that mistake too much. Um, he did get forward. I think he was actually involved. He, he might have been the one in the box as well with the, the Weimann goal. I think he was right up there. So he's certainly looking to to get forward with these sorts of um, you know, crosses going into the box. That was good. Um, Campering on the left, um, spoiler alert, but it was an eight for me and was my man of the match. I thought it was excellent. Um, you know, the goal alone was worthy of, of an extra point because of that cross. Um, but importantly as well, there was one moment where, um, and I think Matty Taylor, the not our Matty Taylor, the, the Rotherham manager Matty Taylor, thought that they should have had a, a second penalty when Campering challenge for the the struck the sub that had come on um but watching it back the the again cam sort of holds his ground and the, and the guy puts his body there um to try and instigate a challenge so the ref got that one right but there was a, another one late on where the ball broke to i think ogbene or or their other forward and it looked for all day long like he was just gonna have to tap it into the net and cam comes from nowhere to challenge so it was a good defensive performance as it was going forward so yeah an, an eight for me a man of the match um 
two midfielders. Andy King, I went six. Decent performance from Andy. Um, following on from a man of the match performance for us after the Sheffield United game. Um, I thought it was good from from Andy King. And then Matty James just shaded it for me. Um, gave Matty a seven. I think, again, keep saying it, but we, we're starting to see Matty's a bit like the glue that holds sort of the, the team together a bit. Um, I think we're really, really seeing his experience. Um, and it was it was actually a captain's performance yesterday from him, I thought. Um, our EFL Young Player of the Year, um, Alex Scott, it was a six for me. Uh, again, some some really good moments from Alex, um, but probably didn't have the influence that, that I would have liked to have seen, you know, from, from that point of view. What's your name, um, Nigel Pearson? Well, you know, it was, it was, it was still, a, still a good performance, um, but nothing nothing more than that. I didn't think there was anything else that sort of set him apart. Um, Harry Cornick, it was a six. I'm not going to mark him down for the miss. I think he'll, he'll have nightmares over that. But like like Chris said, we, we are starting to see a little bit more of Harry Cornick now. And I kind of wonder whether Harry Cornick might end up being a little bit of like a folk hero in times to go. Um, because he he just has some of what he does is brilliant, and he, he you know he he holds the ball up or he, he wins a move, and then the next bit he gets wrong. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a, a decent performance from Harry Cornick. I went six, and then the last two, Sam Bell, Tommy Conway, um, like Campring, I went two eight. Um, I wouldn't have argued with Campring being man of the match as he was for me. Sam Bell or Tommy Conway, I thought all of them were excellent. Um, you know, re- really put a shift in. Tommy, I think, I'll, I'll be really surprised if clubs don't look at Tommy Conway as well, because I think for him to be, what is that, did you say 11 goals this season, Patch? Um, yeah, and, and he's missed a fair chunk of it, but I just think he, he looks like a proper striker, Tommy Conway. He's got pace, he's got desire. So, yeah. Um, and then in terms of our... Three peeps, man of the match. So yeah, we we had Sam Bell, Campring, Tommy Conway, Matty James. Uh, Matty James got seven percent of the vote. Tommy Conway twenty three percent of the vote. Sam Bell twenty nine percent of the vote, and Campring forty one percent of the vote. So um, our listeners uh, agree with me in terms of Campring. Yeah. But uh, over to you, boys, if you're happy with it. Absolutely. Yeah. It was t- it was Sam Bell. Uh, could have had it. Tommy Conway could have had it. And um, yeah, I think Campering, the fact that he it's he's been filling in for us as well at centre-back to then go back out to his preferred position um, and to put in a performance like that, it just edges it in terms yeah. of uh, you know, man of the match for me, Chris. Yeah, same for me. Um, I th- it, it's just nice to see him playing in the position that he's very comfortable in and it really showed. And that also just, just lifted his his performance yesterday. So yeah, it was great to see. Cool. Right. A couple of tweets before we move on. Dean Allen, a scrappy win for Bristol city against a spirited Rotherham side fighting for their lives in the sky bet championship. Little quality from either side. Tommy Conway's header, the standout moment, a big summer ahead. If we are to challenge at the top end next season, uh, Chris Chard, good game. Great to see Joe and Sykes back. Are we back to the countdown clock for penalties? After a couple of uh, yeah, questionable ones, Johnny Pine. Um, our youngsters were great today. Bell, Conway, Pring, Viner, all superb. First game back with Naismith in defence, and what happens? Constant playing around at the back and inviting mistakes. Cal literally can't help himself. Nice change for us to get a late winner though. Um, and then 
yeah, Al Davido should have been out of sight at half time. Uh, half time, the ref was a um, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Right, people will know what that is. Um, and Zane Walker, tampering, brilliant, lacked firepower a lot when going forward when trying to kill the game off, but still a great win. Um, so thank you for your tweets there and thank you for the votes on the poll. Um, we mentioned Dean mentioned there about a, 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 a summer of massive importance, Matt. Obviously, out the door, we could potentially have Jay De Silva, um, Thomas Callas, Alex Scott, potentially, but that will be for um, big money. Has to be now with that award under his belt. But yeah, we've been linked to someone today, Matt. Do you want to give us the details? Yeah, and even the BBC and Sky are reporting it. But yeah, linked with, apparently in advance, talks about a deal that would see defender Ross McCrory move south for a fee of around two million. Um, played yesterday, or oh, sorry, played today for Rangers against, Aber- sorry, start again, for Aberdeen against Rangers um, in their 2-0 win. Um, and yeah, it's a, a bit of a strange one for me. He played right of the midfield today. Mm. Um and I'm kind of thinking that's not really a position that I would be spending two million on. And I don't know if there's any truth in that at all anyway. Yeah. Um, but he's also versatile. So I think he can play as a right back, can also play centrally. But I don't I don't want to see us sign utility players at the expense of signing a, a, a player who can play in that position as their preferred position. So if we're signing him because he can provide cover for a centre back or cover for a right back. Let's just sign a centre back and let's sign a right back, because too often these utility players become a little bit of you know jack of all trades but master of none, um, and I'm not sure that I would be spending two million on a player from a right side point of view. Now, if we want to see him as a centre back, fine, pay it because he's a centre back. But I think we're we're still apparently in for the lad from Crystal Palace that we tried to get in January, um, and obviously Curry, the left back from Wimbledon. So it will be interesting to see if there is any truth in it. But it's it's been reported quite heavily over the last week, this McCrory sort of interest. So Do we know the um, build the build of this lad? Uh 25. I don't know how I don't know how sort of tall he is. Mm. Um as we're speaking, I'll have a little look on Wikipedia to see what it says. Uh so he came from Rangers mm-hmm. um initially to Aberdeen. He is six foot three. Okay. Def- defender, defensive midfielder. Plays as a centre back, a defensive midfielder. He made 41 appearances for Rangers, scoring two goals. Then went on loan to Air, Dumbarton, Portsmouth for 17 games, and then he's been at Aberdeen last uh, since 2020. Um, yeah, so well, that sounds quite promising. The fact that he's a, a yeah. right a right centre back, and yeah. obviously you've said a couple of times when we've had two left footed people at centre back, and um, yeah, the fact that he can then move up into midfield. Sounds sounds useful. I like I like the fact that he's six foot three. Yeah, um, as well. They're also, um, I think it's Barry Robson, the Aberdeen manager, but he was quizzed after the the, the Rangers win today, um, and was asked about McCrory and said, "Don's defenders um, Ross McCrory is believed to be in advance talks with Bristol City over a two million pound move." Uh, speaking on sports, Robson said, "You saw what I meant today. My message after the game was that's what it takes to be an Aberdeen player." Da, 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 da. On the McCurry situation, he said, "You'll know more. You you'll know more than me. All I know is we had a good result today, and Ross performed well." 
So not really saying anything there. Okay. Chris, your thoughts on the summer? Um, who and what positions should we be looking to strengthen? I think we still need... I mean, I, I actually looked at Rotherham's, not him specifically, the Rotherham's number 12 that came on yesterday is Kelly. His build, as you're talking about build, someone that held the ball up, he seemed to really did sort of give our, our defenders a bit of a bit of a panic up for about 20 minutes or so when he came on. I, I'd love to see us have somebody who's just a bit, bit bigger build who's bit better in the air who can hold the ball up and I think you've got so much speed around you I think it'd be great to see that kind of come into the fold for link up but in terms of the rest of the players I think whatever we do I'm just looking at the uh, the football table to be honest you know we're going to have potentially Plymouth Ipswich Sheffield Wednesday coming up um, and then you're looking at anyone from Leeds Leicester Everton Forest and Southampton going down so whatever we do we're going to be in for quite a quite a tough tough league next year either way Shaping up, Matt, for a hell of a season in terms of some of the some of the away trips as well. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. No, some of those will be quite nice. Quite nice to go to Plymouth if that happens. Um, mm. But yeah, it's, I mean, it, it will be a big summer. Um, and again, I, despite my age, I wasn't at the Senior Reds on Wednesday, but I know that <laughs> um, that Tins was quizzed about um, signings and stuff. And you know, if we're talking about three or four signings, for me. That would be three or four, four signings with the squad we've currently got. If we lose Callas, the Silver, Scott, possibly Wilson, um, then you've you've got to be looking to replace them their bodies first of all, and then get over and above that. Let alone the quality that you're losing. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a really really interesting summer from that point of view, and and I hope that. Um, you know, we do sign the right players. You know, it's it's a no-brainer for me that we need a goalkeeper for competition for Max. Yes, we need a centre-back, but a, an out-and-out centre-back. A defender, first and foremost. You know, if you've got players like Cam alongside out wide and, and Zach who can ping it, let's get a, a front, you know, forward-facing, go-head-the-ball like Aidan Flint, Sean Taylor, those sort of players. But it's centre-midfield for me. I, I want to see us get a a powerhouse central midfielder. I've wanted it for years, but you know, Andy King's not going to be able to play week in, week out. If he is offered a new player's contract, which we think he will. If we lose Scotty, then you've lost that creative sort of element as well. But yeah, that that's the one for me and probably a number nine as well. You know, I know Tommy can do a job, but I don't see Tommy as being that player that will hold the ball up and let others come into it. He wants to be up there as well. So yeah, big, big, big summer. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. Um, obviously Joe Williams is the the tough tackling midfielder, but whether he can stay fit for the whole season obviously comes into question as well. Yeah, he's not got a presence though, Patch Joe Williams, has he? From that point of view, you don't. I think if you come up against you know some of the big lads in the division, I don't yeah, see I Joe Williams. Mean. Do you know what I mean? From that point yeah. of view, and if if I said to both of you, right, you've got. Could, would you have Marvin Elliott back? Yeah, Christ. <laughs> but if if you've got money to spend, what's what's the, the the first position or the key position you'd look to spend it in? Yeah, and for me, it's central midfield. Get Marvin Elliott out of retirement, I would. Well, I'd, I'd love that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't. Cool. You mentioned it, Patch, yet? But just thinking about, um, is it six academy products we had in the starting lineup yesterday? Yeah, no, it's a great shout, and it's something that we've almost become a little bit blasé about, yeah, really, because true. I think it's I think it's happened a few times over the season and yeah, it, it's just almost become part of the furniture, hasn't it, man? In terms of the, the makeup of the team. It has, it has, but if you, if you go back, 
you know, I mean, there, there, was, there were games where you wouldn't have had an academy player in the side, you know, over the last few years, was, was there? So, yeah, no, no one's questioning what's going on in the academy and potentially, and he's not gone yet. You know, I think we said Pat on the way in last night. Wouldn't it be lovely for Alex Scott not to go next season and for him to yeah, we continue said to his me, yeah continue anyone, his development? Has anyone yeah. considered the fact that Alex Scott doesn't go in the summer? And I don't think there's many that have, to be fair. No, because I think everyone thinks that you know you're going to get a sizable bid, and and if a bid if a bid comes in, and and you know again on on social media, other podcasts, you know I hear people talking about twenty million and then rising up. I I don't I'm not taking anything less than twenty five million down payment. Give me the money now, and then I'll have you staying in the Premier League, finish going to Europe, you know, winning the Premier League or winning the Champions League if he goes to one of the top six. All of that as additions above it, for me, it's about 25 million. I'd cash down, you know, anything more. Yeah, great. So then that allows us to go and splash like 2 million on this lad. Well, exactly. Yeah. Because I didn't expect us to be spending that kind of money if that's the case. I mean, I think what was Mometi rumored to be around a million, I think. Mm, yeah. Um, potentially with add ons. So it's an interesting one. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, right. Well, we're back at Ashton Gate on Saturday to welcome Burnley who could be champions uh, if results go that way in midweek and that would be a guard of honour for Josh Brownell, Chris. Yeah, it'd be nice to see Josh back. He's been a, he was a great player for us. You know, he's certainly, again, he he developed well with us at, at the club. Uh, went on to, to to pastures new, but yeah, I think he's, uh, I, I don't know if he won the, uh, I think he was up for the uh, championship award tonight, I think as well. So oh, I'm was sure he? Won that one. I think he was. Yeah, I think um, it's half time, half time in the EFL award. So we still don't know if Jerry has been successful, um, let alone Josh Brainer. Yeah, but it'd be, I mean, it's great to see them. I think Bernie, you know, they've been a, a Premier League team in the championship for the most part without losing too many players. So, um, but then they are beatable, as we saw Chrissy Martin pop up and mm. get the winner for QPR on Saturday as well. So should make for a, for a good day and a good game. Yeah. Any final business from you, Matt? Just another one. Great to see Chris Kamara won the contribution oh, yeah. to League Football Award at the EFL Awards as well. So I watched that, the that's, that's I watched it. See. I watched the presentation to him and yeah, he was full of banter and they brought his family up afterwards as well. Jeff Stenning was stood there behind him. It was a really good. Definitely want to check that one out when you can watch the the replay. Um it'll probably be on YouTube. Um, yeah no fantastic stuff right we'll leave it there then playing us out as always will be the shucks with whiskey four you can get that on spotify um and they just released their ep actually last night so um there's more music from the shucks which is a, a bristol country band um for more information on that you can check out the podcast i did with them but for now we'll leave it there thank you so much to chris um don't forget to get in touch with us about that golf day if you want to get involved and we'll pass your details on to chris um but yeah we'll leave it there thanks matt thanks very much guys cheers, cheers. chris speak soon see ya Drifting along, it's a one-way road Just like the tumbleweed Or a standing stone Far away from the city call I find myself on another Time to think and breathe 
Turning 